Gary, he's going to continue part two of Angels. All right. Did you come to learn? Well, you're in the right place. So we're going to continue, as uh, Raina said, our, our series on Angels tonight. Um, we have got a lot to cover. Because we have to finish tonight. Next Wednesday starts a surprise. Well, I can't tell you. You just got to come next Wednesday night, okay? So, I believe you should have last week's notes, okay? And you should have some from this week, okay? Um, I believe we finished up to and including or just starting the origin on last week's notes, okay? So some of what we're going to uh, look at in just catching up, I don't have really enough time. The clock is ticking away at me. I don't have really enough time to go back over last week. I wasn't looking back over my shoulder. How many people were here last week? Let me see. Oh, great. All right. All the people that didn't have your hands up, go sit next to a person who has their hand up. All right, um, what I started to say, uh, a lot of what, as we finish off last week's notes, uh, some of that we're going to develop a little more tonight. And um, if you watch, one of the other things that we're going to do is watch the screens on either side because um, the citations in the new material that you have in your hands. Um, I did not put them in the notes. If I did, they would have been like seven, eight, ten pages. So watch the screens. They'll give you the fullness of the scriptures. You have the citations in front of you. Good? All right. So we left off on origin, origin of angels. Uh, since one task, I'm an eye, since one task of angels is to give glory to God, they sang and shouted during the creation. Psalm 148.1 through 5 tells us that, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights. Verse 2, hone in on that. Are you with me on origin? Okay. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his, his heavenly hosts. Get with me. In the old notes. All right, moving right along. Okay, praise him, the sun and the moon, and praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, waters above the sky. Verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. B, Colossians 1.16 says this, for it, it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen. Whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created and exist through him by his service or his intervention and in and in him. They were created before the natural world. They are not part of, they, their creation was not part of the natural world. In Job 38, 4, we read that, where were you when I laid the foundations? This is God challenging Job. Tell me if you know so much who determined its dimensions and stretched out their surveying line. 
what supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstones as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So they are, they're, they're, they are not the only heavenly beings. We can see from Scripture, and everything I'm bringing you tonight is from Scripture. They're not the only heavenly beings that we see from Scripture. There are other ones. We do not have enough information on the other heavenly beings, though. Um, they, they're uh, going down to I. What little info we have seems to indicate they are very different than the more frequent angels we see and spoken of in the Word of God. The second uh, part of that, we know and understand that the Bible mentions angels, cherubs, seraphs, or seraphims as living beings which dwell in heaven in the realm of the spirit. We're going to look at that in the new material tonight. Uh, however, we cannot be sure if they are all angels, the cherubim, and the seraphim are actually the same. Many Bible students believe it's the same uh, angel or a different species of created being altogether. There are four um, other beings in the spiritual realm. When we get into Revelations, we see other beings. In Revelations, I believe it's four. Yeah. They are said to be, uh, this is a summary full of eyes in the front and behind. And they look to John like a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle in flight. Um, that's a pretty scary being. But they're not represented in Revelations as angels. They each have six wings, and are always saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. These four living cre creatures closely resemble the four creatures that were described in Ezekiel 1.10 and Isaiah 6.2. It's not clear whether these passages are describing the same four creatures, but it's very likely they are the same exalted order of angels like uh, whose main job is to worship God and speak into his holiness. In response to the worship of the four living creatures, the 24 elders cast down their crowns before God's throne in agreement. We see that in Revelations there. So we talked a little bit last week, and we're going to look a little bit further in depth tonight about angels being ministering spirits. We have to understand that in the New Testament, the word for minister is the same exact word used to describe a servant. We talk about in the church, there are ministers in the church. They're servants to the church. So we can say angels are serving spirits. Hebrews 1.13 and following says that God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble me your enemies, make them a footstool under your feet. Key here, therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. God is, has in the past use angels to accomplish a number of tasks. One of the tasks God did not give angels was for the ministering of the gospel. Who did God give that to? Yeah. We're talking about these powerful beings, and God gives, doesn't give them the gospel. He gives us the gospel. If I were king for a day and I was going to send out ministers for the gospel, 
I would send out a 40-foot angel with a flaming 20-foot sword. The church would be full. We could all go home with Jesus. No one says no to a 40-foot angel with a 20-foot flaming sword. But God didn't do that. He gave us the ministry of the gospel. Just kind of gives you a sense of God's faith in us. He's faithful in our faithlessness many times. Um, ministering spirits. Understand in the New Testament, we did that. God has, in the past, used English to accomplish a number, number of tasks. They're involved in delivering the revelation of the Word of God, and at times God has sent angels to protect his people. We see this in Psalm 113. I'm sorry, 103. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. They have also been used by God both to free captured people and strengthen men in their service. In Acts 12, 5, we see that Peter's in prison. I'm going to summarize it for you. The church has gathered in Jerusalem. They're praying for his release. An angel comes in to the prison and releases Peter. Now, the end of the story is Peter walks out of prison because the door is open. He goes to the house where they're praying, knocks on the garden gate. The servant girl who was praying with the church opens the servant gate, sees Peter, thinks it's a ghost, slams the door, leaving him outside, and runs and tells them, there's a ghost of Peter at the door. She assumed he got killed. Talk about faith in your prayer. The story of Peter released. When God, uh, when, next point, when God has had to judge sin, he has used angels. He sent an angel to execute his judgment in Genesis 19. We're talking, talked about the angels of Sodom and Gomorrah. Next, angels are powerful. This is why I wanted to use them to minister the gospel. Angels were created by God to exert great power in situations requiring supernatural assistance. We, we see this in Isaiah 36, verses 1 and 2. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, King Shenard of Assyria came to attack the fortified towns of Judah and to conquer them. Then the king of Assyria sent his chief staff from Lashish with a huge army to confront King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. Finally, the army of Assyria arrived in Jerusalem and surrounds it for many days. When messengers of the king of Assyria delivered a letter to King Hezekiah of Judah, telling him all hope was lost and demanding his surrender in Jerusalem, the king took the letter and spread it out before the Lord and prayed. God answered with a message through Isaiah the prophet. And this is what the Lord says about King Assyria. His armies will not enter Jerusalem. They will not even shoot an arrow at it. They will not march against its gates with their shields nor build banks of earth against its walls. The king will return to his own country by the same road with which he came. He will not enter the city, says the Lord. 4 verse 35, my own honor and for the sake of my servant David, I will defend the city and protect it. And then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 soldiers. And when they arose the next morning, they were only corpses. In Matthew 28, it says this. Now after the Shabbat, 
As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. We know it's the garden tomb. This is where they had raised, uh, laid Jesus, right? And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. I love this. And sat on it. How dare you seal the Son of God? His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook to fear of him and became like dead men. If God created these powerful beings, placed them at our disposal, what should be our fear? If we get in trouble or find ourselves in danger, either God himself will deliver us or he can send an angel. Maybe this scripture makes more sense now. So we're talking about, and we'll finish up this, and then I'll take a couple of questions before we go into the new stuff. It's nice to know that angels were active back then, but how does that help us today? Well, the prophet Zechariah foretold that angels would be active in the end times. God will defend Israel and send his angels to fight for and with his people. In Zechariah 12.8, it says this, In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In that day is 99% of the time is referring to an end time. And he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. Daniel 12.1 says this, At the, that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people will be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Now, pastor found these, and this is just, this is, I have a friend, Joe Leonard. He, he reads this stuff and hears of this stuff, and he looks at you and he goes, normal day in the kingdom, normal day in the kingdom. This is a normal day in the kingdom. Story is told of a Jewish community in Pekin under siege by Arabs who were determined to wipe them out. However, they encountered a huge, strange beings with flaming swords, and they ran away in great fear as the astonished village rabbi watched them. Note, Gershon Solomon joined the IDF. He led a company into the Golan Heights. And in 1958, in a battle with the Syrian army, Mr. Solomon was injured accidentally when in the heat and the confusion of the battle, he was run over by a tank. Syrian soldiers are trained to not take prisoners. They're trained to shoot even if they think you're alive. And uh, when they were about to shoot again, Mr. Solomon, who was injured by the tank, they all suddenly ran away. Later, the same Syrian soldiers reported to the UN officers that they had seen thousands of angels around one IDF officer, and that's why they fled. An Israeli military historian recorded that during the 1973 Yom Kippur War, an Israeli soldier in the Sinai took captive an Egyptian column and led them to where the Israeli troops were. 
Are you familiar with the 1973 Yom Kippur War? Okay, real quick. Both Jordan, uh, Egypt, and I can't think of the one up north. Syria. Jordan, Egypt, and Syria coordinated together and on Yom Kippur in 1973, all three attacked Israel from multiple fronts. Israel was victorious, I believe, in a matter of days. We're going to get to that as soon as we get you a mic. Let me finish this. He responded with surprise. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped. The Egyptian commander was asked why he and his men gave themselves up to this lone Israeli soldier. He responded with surprise. One soldier, there were thousands of them. He said that as they neared the Israeli lines, the, quote, soldiers began disappearing. The Israeli soldier reported that he was by himself when the Egyptian commander and his men surrendered themselves to him. He was totally unaware of any thousands of soldiers the Egyptian soldiers saw with him since he himself never saw the soldiers. And Psalm 91.10 promises that no evil shall befall you, no shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. God stated it. It's in the word. It's a promise. The Holy Spirit put it in the word because, in a sense, we can hold God accountable. Father, your word says, and we pray God's word back to him. Are you with me? Questions? Now, remember, it's just me. Be gentle. Good? Good. All right. Grab tonight's. Angels, and this is just going to, we, we've sort of, here's what we've done. We've sort of flown over the topic angels. I like to do this with the Bible school. We've sort of flown over the topic of angels at about 35,000 feet. So that gives us a picture. It gives us a sense of where that and what that is all about. So tonight what I'd like to do is just drill down a little deeper. We're not going to go too deep because for many of us, this kind of a study into a specific pro, uh, uh, topic is kind of a new thing, all right? Well, not, not many of us have sat and really taken a topic and gone on the Internet and drilled into it and seen what the theologians have said and other Bible students. Are you with me? Yeah. So let's, let's look a little deeper but certainly not go too deep, all right? All right. Um, Let's start with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. It was one of the verses in our uh, last week's text. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Look at this. To an innumerable company of angels. So what is the New Testament telling us? There are a lot. Okay. Next, Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the number of them were, look at this figure, 10,000 times 10,000. So 10,000 is one with five, what, 10,000 is one with five zeros. So if you take 
one with five zeros and multiply it by itself according to the, you, what is it, uh, the rule of multiplication, you just add the zeros. So it's one with ten zeros is the estimate of the angels that John sees in heaven. I looked and there were ten thousands of ten thousands of thousands. I hate to say it. We have a question from my wife. Just to clarify, in that scripture from Revelations, when they're describing the thousands and tens of thousands, they're actually talking about three different entities. They're talking about angels, living creatures, and elders. Right. So the living creatures are not angels. They're, it's a different being created by God. That we, 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 the four creatures, some, that's a good question. Part of the 10,000s of the 10,000s is the 24 elders. Right. Okay. Then there's four creatures as described in Revelation. You can't come down on either side of that. Many Bible students believe that the four creatures are another type of angel. Other many Bible students hold that they're not angels. They're a separate type of creature but certainly a heavenly creature, right. okay? I'm not going to come down on either side of it because, you know, I just, I just don't know. I think, but I just don't know. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't, and it, it's one of those things where I can say, eh, it's probably not till death. Somebody else. Right here. So we each have a guardian angel, but then these other angels, what are their jobs? That's what I'm not understanding. What are the jobs? Hold on. Spirit. We're going to do that. Okay. Yeah, because that was still hanging out there from the... Did everybody hear that? We know about our guardian angel, but what about all these other angels? What are their jobs? And we're going to look at that now. That's, that's the little deeper. Okay? So let's talk about some angel facts off your notes, all right? Angels cannot be numbered from the previous text. And these that are mentioned in the above text are angels who form only two-thirds of the angels that were created, if, in fact, the Revelation text is telling us all the angels, which I don't think it is. Okay? The other third of the angels fell with Lucifer in his, rebe in his rebellion, and Revelation 12.4 is the citation for that. Of those fallen... Some will be released for a short time during the tribulation, Revelations 9-11. C, all demons and fallen angels are under Satan's authority, and they take their commands from him. Their job is to disrupt God's plan by destroying and occupying Jerusalem and getting rid of the church. Satan is not stupid. He knows the word of God. He knows that believers are lost to him forever. The best he can do is to nullify God's plan in your life. God has gone out on a limb. He has given his son. And if that's not good enough, he has given you the Holy Spirit. And if that's not good enough, he has given you 
the anointing or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are enabled to be, as Revelation says, overcomers. He's given us every solitary thing he can give us to accomplish the overcoming. Are you with me? Satan's soul, not soul, one of Satan's principal plans is to nullify your impact on this world. And each and every one of us has an impact plan from God for this world. God has a plan for your life, and it is overwhelming. And only you can accomplish God's plan for your life. You're unique among the universe in that God has this plan for only you, and only you can fulfill that plan. Satan thinks he's smarter. D, Satan thinks he's smarter and more powerful than God and is out to accomplish his plans despite what Scripture says is the outcome of his agenda. Remember I said one of the principal things is to go after your plan by Satan? The other thing plan Satan wants to do is Satan is committed to do is to break the word of God. The word of God cannot be broken, right? If Satan can break the word of God, then he doesn't have to go into the abyss at the end. If he breaks the word of God in one place, he doesn't have to go into the abyss for eternity. Are you with me? Satan thought he won at the cross. He knew who Jesus was. The demons who were in the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the guy in the, um, when Jesus crossed over to the east side of uh, the Galilean Sea, and he was met by the, actually there were two of them, in the graveyard. What did they say? Have you come to torment us before our time? They knew who Christ was. Satan knew who Jesus was. At the cross, Satan thought he won. He thought he had to kill the Messiah. That's why Sunday morning, or one of the reasons why Sunday morning is so important, because it says, Pastor says, it was in his face. The Messiah lives. Scripture had not been broken. You're still going to hell. Are you with me? The angels who didn't rebel are significantly different. They work for God and are slowly commi solely committed to cause of his plans to come to pass. We are included in God's plans, and thus we are included in the works of those angels. Do you see the logic there? It's not rocket science. So let's talk about rank of angels. First, let's talk about seraphim. This is in no order. Seraphim, they're beautiful angels, and they always remain in heaven and have six wings. We see this in Isaiah 6.2. They guard and announce the holiness of God throughout heaven in Isaiah 6.3. Next, we have cherubim. They are the first and the highest class. They are represented as having no wings. Or two. <laughs> no, I got him confused because we're coming to angels that don't have any wings. Okay, so they have two wings. They are the first angels mentioned in the Bible. 
They were placed in the Garden of Eden to guard the tree of life in Genesis 3.24. They are also guardians of the throne of God in Ezekiel 10, 1 through 5. And again, if I go through every, these are the citations. Listen, you, take, you have these. Take this home. Look it up. Okay? Don't say, oh, I believe this because Pastor Jerry said it. No, I believe this because the word of God said it. Okay? Um, they are also guardians of the throne of God, and we see that it is Ezekiel 10. Their images were made of gold, and they were placed on top of the Ark of the Covenant over the mercy seat where the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled after being shed. We see this in 2 Kings 19.15 and in 1 Chronicles 13.6. Lucifer was the highest-ranking angel in heaven. He was called, the, in Ezekiel, the anointed cherub who covered, or in, in a better translation was, who ruled. He was the highest-ranking of the highest-ranking angels. And seemingly, he was just below the triune Godhead. Next are archangels. There is only one that we know of from Scripture, one archangel. Now, some of us who have come from other denominations, uh, we can have that debate, but the one that if we stay solely within the confines of Scripture, we're only given the sense that there is but one archangel. There may be more, but from Scripture, we only know of one. Are you with me? Okay. So... There is only one that we know of from Scripture. His name is Michael. The name is used in Jude 9 in the New Testament. Michael has a group of angels who do his bidding. They are call, called Michael and his angels in Revelations 12.7. We know of another angel who, who is named, and that's called Gabriel. Gabriel is not said to be an archangel. Some hold that he is. Fine. Have a nice day. I don't see it. He is a companion of Michael, and we see that in Daniel 10, 13. Apparently, he is a messenger angel. We see it in Daniel 8, 16. I'm going too fast. She's trying to get the scriptures up there. Daniel 9, 21, and Luke 1, 19 and 26. And then we have chief princes. You see, these are all scriptural uh, mandates for who the angels are. So Gabriel is the leader of the chief princes. We see that in Daniel 8.16. He is a messenger angel who remains in the presence of God until given an assignment. In the book of Daniel, Gabriel worked with Michael. We see that in 10, 13, Daniel 10.13. He brought the message of the birth of John the Baptist to Zechariah in Luke 1.19. He brought the message to Mary about the birth of Jesus. We see that in Luke 1.26-28. And he, some Bible students believe that it was probably Gabriel who brought the revelation, revelation to John on the island of Patmos. Then, 
part of this ten thousands of ten thousands, we have the heavenly hosts, or many Bible students believe the armies of angels. The hosts of angels remain on earth among men, to your question. They can travel back and forth between heaven and earth to bring messages to us from God. They are also innumerable. Hebrews 12.22 tells us that. They are different than the angels who remain in heaven or bring messages to men and nations. They have no wings and can appear as men. Pastor talked about that last week. They appeared to Abraham. They delivered Lot and his family from Sodom. Also recall that the homosexuals of Sodom and Sodom wanted to have sex with them because they looked human. But the angels struck the men with blindness. They are constantly with us and can appear to us. They can appear to us. We do not always recognize them as assisting angels. The text in Hebrews 13, 2 tells us that. They are said to have always been among men and were ever present surrounding Elisha, which is a great story. Does that get to your point? Let's look for questions. I see a hand. Ark is a rank. Archangel, Ark, what does Ark mean? Yes. <laughs> Up over here. No, very simply, it's it, there are ranks of angels. Ark is a rank. Yes. Okay, you answered my question. <laughs> Got it. Linda? But he was below Lucifer. I'm sorry, one second. Sorry, sorry Go. for interrupting. But he was below Lucifer. Right now, no. No, it had been when created. From what we understand of the place that Lucifer held before he fell, then they would have been because he was the higher. I, I would say he was the higher of angels. There's some who very much strongly feel that he was the highest of angels. And that that fed to the sin of pride. Then, but when he fell, yeah, he's, he's, well, he's a defeated fallen angel. That's pretty low. Did they, what's the one more? Oh. On the page with the archangel, and it says Michael has a group of angels who do his bidding. What does that mean? What yeah. kind of bidding? What is that? It's the, the text tells us that he has a group of angels that, did, that do his bidding. I, um, I don't know what their bidding is. Okay. Well, no, if the Bible is quiet about it, I can only speculate. I'm like, I won't speculate. Um, there's an old, old, old Southern gospel term to be, what is it? Oh, Carol, what was it? We speak where the Bible speaks, and we're silent where the Bible's silent. Anyone else? Okay. So we're, the next portion is angels as our servants. 
again, to your point, um, Hebrews 1.14 says this, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? And here's, here's an important part. All angels were created by God. Those who did not rebel are directly under God's command. God has shared that authority with those of us who are saved. That's a key point. This authority was not given to believers in the Old Testament. Why? One at a time. Because they didn't have, excuse me, they didn't have the Holy Spirit upon them, in them? Yeah. yeah. The, spiritually, the Old Testament, uh, the people in the Old Testament were not born spiritually. They couldn't connect to spiritual things. Everything in their life was de dealt through their soul self. We're on the other side of the cross. We look back over our shoulder, and it's, it's not a difficult to us because the born-again experience, the born spiritually experience, we have those eyes. We forget that the Old Testament people, they only had a soul self set of eyes. For them to grasp spiritual things was a real leap. All we had to do was proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior. All we had to do. But don't lose sight of the fact that we're blessed. We have spiritual eyes now. Amen? There are also... Um, blah, blah, blah. This authority was not given to believers in the Old Testament. B, when the church began... And when the new birth was given, authority was also given to us. There was also a change in the chain of command over the angels. God has lifted born-again believers over the level of angels. God is, of course, the highest of all beings. Jesus Christ is under God, his son. The Holy Spirit comes under Jesus. The Holy Spirit always points to Christ. In the Old Testament, man was under the angels. He learned from them. The biblical records that man ever fell before them in honor. But now, born again mankind is between the triune Godhead and angels. Do you get that? Okay. Watch the progression here. No angels sit at the right hand of God next to Jesus, but believers do. Put up that Ephesians 2, 6, 10. Look at the, what the text says. And raised us up together and made us where? Sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. No angel is in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus. It's that co-mingling. Bible school students, co-mingling, remember that one? If you don't know what that is, we will be taking applications for Bible school <laughs> coming in September. We have a place for you. Amen. Amen. Um, this does not mean we can simply tell angels what to do. That's an important point. Put a little check next to that. The Word of God lays out the proper use of this authority he has given to us over this segment 
of his greatest cre creation. All right. So are you seeing the progression here? So the next question is, how do we send angels to do the ministry? Psalm 103, minister. Psalm 103 says this, bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his, what? Word. Bingo. Do his word, heeding the voice of his word. word. If angels listen and obey the voice of God's word, which word do angels hearken to now? God's word. The written or spoken word, who do they listen to? We are God's voice on earth. Angels hearken to us when we speak God's word. We can't just command angels to accomplish our will. We have to be, it's not in your notes, we have to be in communion with God's will. How do we do that? We seek God's will. We seek the Holy Spirit. God is a good God. He loves us. He's not going to keep us in the dark. He will reveal his will with us, to us, and in us. We speak God's word, and the angels obey God's will through our voice. Why? Because we're speaking God's word. John the Baptist spoke God's word, and so can we. John said in John 1.23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. No, it's a capital O. John was the voice of God quoting the prophet Isaiah. Do you see? John didn't go off and call upon himself an accolade. He declared who he was through the prophetic word of Isaiah. Are you with me? So angels in prayer. One way we voice God's word is through prayer. The angel of the Lord was sent to answer the prayer of one man. That man was Abraham. Later, other angels responded to Abraham's prayers. We see this in Genesis 18.1.3 and 18.1. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebirth trees at Mamre. Remember that? As he was sitting in the tent door at the heart um, uh, in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself low to the ground before them. And he said, My Lord, if I have not found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. He resp they responded to him. Uh, and see, Gabriel and Michael were sent to answer the prayer of one man, Daniel. Why? Do you remember why they, Gabriel and Michael had to respond? How many do remember why Gabriel and Michael had to respond? Good. So we'll stop there. When Daniel prayed, he prayed, and for three days, he was pray, praying and fasting, and for three days, no response. What happens when we don't get a response in three days? We start crying out, God, don't you know what's going on down here? Because we call God to account, say. No, we don't. But Daniel was fasting and praying for three days, and there was no response. And suddenly, after the third day, Gabriel 
appears. And Gabriel says to him, the second, the instant, when your prayer was voiced, God sent me. But the spirit or the angel over Persia met me, and there was a fierce battle. And it wasn't until Michael came that he freed him up, overcame the spirit, the demon, and he was able to continue on to answer Daniel's prayer. Are you with me? Uh, D, an angel from, the, from God's host was sent to rescue Peter. And we talked about that because of a group of prayer, praying believers after he had been imprisoned. If ever I get arrested, I want all you people to pray for my release. Um, just to, to what Carolyn said about Michael doing Michael's bidding in Revelation 12, 7, and talking about how Michael went to uh, Gabriel's uh, defense, and it doesn't specifically say what Michael's bidding, what the angels, what the bidding is, but if you look at what he did here and look at 12, 7, I'm thinking where it says Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. It was Michael and his angels. So they were, I guess, maybe were they like a, um, his troops? Yeah, his assisting, armies. just doing his armies One under Michael, doing God's his bidding armies. to assist in, in fighting in the yeah. heavenly realms. Maybe that's the bidding. Hmm. Anybody else? Our next is Angels and the Four Gospels. So now we've moved into a uh, uh, consideration in the New Testament or the New Testament times. Many, many times angels carried out God's will and the will of believers during the time of Jesus' ministry. Zechariah met an angel who struck him speechless for a period of time. Gabriel was sent to Mary to announce Jesus' birth. We talked about that. Gabriel also came to Joseph in a dream to confirm Jesus' birth. Angels announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds. Joseph was warned by an angel in a dream to hide Jesus in Egypt. After Jesus chose the disciples, he said that they would see angels ascending and descending. Angels accompanied Lazarus into Abraham's bosom. Jesus confesses us before the angels at our salvation. Children have guardian, guardian angels appearing before God. Angels bring healing, demonstrated at the pool of Bethesda. Angels ministered to Jesus after his resurrection. And after the resurrection, angels stood by the empty tomb to greet the women and announce that he was now alive. So we see constantly God's messengers to us. They sort of, can I say it this way? They sort of are able to transcend from the spirit realm into the physical realm at God's will. Do you see that? All right, how about the church age began with angels as Jesus ascended? I'm going to read Acts 1, 9 through 11. Now, when he had spoken these things, they're on the mount. 
outside Jerusalem. When he had spoken these things, and while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The mission of angels, and there is a mission of angels to the church. Angels are busy in the New Testament church as ever before. The apostles were set free from prison in Acts 5, 17 through 20. Philip was told to go to Gaza in Acts 8, 26 and 27. Cornelius saw an angel in a vision in Acts 10, 3 through 6. Peter, as we talked, was set free from prison. Herod was struck dead by an angel. We see that in Acts 12, 21 through 23. Paul told those on board the ship of the coming deliverance from a storm for everyone in Acts 27. And angels secretly visited Christians in Hebrews 13, 2 tells us that. The archangel will accompany Jesus when he returns for the church. And we saw that in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Jesus will set up his earthly kingdom and he'll do it accompanied by angels. So there are angels in the end time prophecies. An angel brought the message of Revelation to John. We saw that in Revelations 1.1. An angel delivers the prayers of the saints to heaven in Revelations 8, 3 to 4. Angels will deliver the wrath of God to earth in Revelations 7, 2, 8, 5, 13, and most assuredly in chapter the entire chapter 16 in Revelations. Angels will assist Jesus at his second coming by traveling to the ends of the earth, separating the wicked from the just, gathering the wicked for judgment, and protecting the judge, the just, from judgment. And this one, angels will actually, here's the one that I thought would have been the first century church, angels will preach the gospel during the tribulation. Revelations 14.6 tells us that. Pull that up. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people group. And finally, an angel will place Satan into the bottomless pit in Revelations 14.6. Questions? We have one back there. One, two over here. Let's get that one first. <laughs> um, so I'm just confused. Is Lucifer Satan? Because I've been, you know, up in the church, they kind of put those two together. Two, two, two different same, people? Different the, names, two of the same. Two of the same. Yeah. Okay. Over here. Uh, Carolyn? Thank you for having this question. I'm trying to understand this whole thing. When we're praying God's will in the name of Jesus, I was understanding that Jesus goes to the Father yes. for the prayer 
and then God is the one that handles the prayer. But now I'm thinking maybe he dispatches the angel to do something. I'm just trying to understand how it all works. Right. Don't confuse who you pray to. We pray to the Father through Jesus Christ. That does not change. How God ministers that going forward is completely within his, within his power. With a miracle, through an angel, through another servant, through another person. So God is limitless in his answer to our prayer. Does that make sense? Okay. It wasn't to move. It's not like a chess piece. This one's out of the way, and now we're using this one. Like, to add to that, though, is then it says about the word. Like, we have to speak what's biblically there, though. Like, it's not, we're not praying whatever the prayer is. We base it on the word of God when we're, it has to be biblically true. Well, let's, when we're speaking let me out. go one step further. One of the, no, not one. The greatest prayer that we can pray is praying God's word back to him. And it's not a matter of saying, not a matter of spiritually moving ourselves into a higher position. It's a matter, I've, I've shown this before. I can open this anywhere. And let's say Psalm 42. Watch this. Father, your word says that as the deer pants for the water, that man's soul should pant for you. We're praying God's word back to him. Powerful, powerful prayer. The Holy Spirit gave it to the psalmist. The, psalm, the Holy Spirit leads you to it. You take God's word, you internalize it, and you speak God's word back to him. Powerful prayer. That's just a, a, a short example. But when we pray God's word, we're praying in agreement with what the Holy Spirit has given us down through the ages. Good? Good question. Anybody else? We got 29 seconds to kill. Somebody has something. Amen? All right. Listen to me. This is all great. All well and good. I understand angels now or have a good understanding about angels. But if you don't have a personal relationship with our Abba Father through his son, this will get you nothing. This is then just head knowledge. Head knowledge will not walk with you into eternity. The salvation that was won for you at the cross is what will accompany you into eternity. If you're here tonight and Jesus, you have not proclaimed Jesus as both Lord and Savior, I encourage you, settle that fact before you leave here tonight. For the rest of us, if you have any prayer concerns whatsoever, um, Mindy and Carol and myself will be up front. We'd love to pray with you. For the rest of you, you're dismissed. Amen?